What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Shatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, coming at you live, Draft Night 2022. <laughs> no, this is ideal timing, is it not? You, you know, Colin, we're giving the listeners the most up-to-date mock draft that they could be getting at the moment right here. Pretty much, pretty much. By the time that this comes out, you will, you will know. You will know if we were right or not. So I, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll kind of give our predictions of, of where people are going to go, but we're going to use it more to give our player evaluations. Is, is that fair? Yeah, and I, I feel like we kind of have some pressure to live up to here, Colin, because we were uh, we were on fire last year. We did, we, we did, we did pretty good last year. You know, we called Evan Mobley prob- prob- that probably should have been drafted by the Rockets at two instead of yeah. the Cavs at three. We called Scotty Barnes at four, Con. That's all I gotta say. You know, we got a lot of. We, we had Giddy um, high too. I remember that. Yeah. Um. You know, we called Franz being. Mm-hmm. Um. Franz being probably a pretty good first year, and we probably should have taken him. Um. So we got a lot to live up to, Con. Just like looking at this draft in a more, um, general sense. Um, it feels like this four con, and then there's a bit of a cliff. Mm-hmm. From like six to like fifteen ish, and then there's another cliff. Um, I wouldn't say this draft is exactly loaded, Colin. Um, a lot of people are very hyped for next year's draft, Colin. They're they're calling next year's draft like pretty loaded compared to mm-hmm. this draft. Um, but just going through this top fifteen guys, like I, there's a lot of names to like in here, Colin. Maybe not a lot of all stars, but I think a lot of guys that will end up being good NBA players. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think for for me those those top four guys have all star to superstar capabilities to varying degrees, and then outside of that, I think I see a lot of really solid role players, which is totally like, fine. Guys who can like play this year yeah. to Con. I see a lot of guys who like can will get drafted in the six to fifteen range and like will play big minutes for their team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I think it should be a good draft. I think that which honestly, that's kind of the floor of that's like that's yeah. like all you really want out of any draft pick you take on is that they can actually play, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, and especially if we're talking like if you're drafting outside of the top five, like you shouldn't be expecting to draft an all star. Like that's a bonus yeah. if it happens. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I. I, I think we, we should get into it, and it's kind of weird because we we think we know who the first pick is going to be, um, but I don't so know let if me that ask, corresponds to the let me ask you this, board. Colin. Yeah. So what, when you're about to read me off this number one pick, is this what you think is going to happen tonight, or your best person, who you think is the best player in this class? Well, I, I think we can do both. I think I'm going to go okay. off of okay. my okay. big okay. board because I so we know, we know that it's it's going to be. A, um, wait, do we wait? Hold on. Who do we know it's going to be? <laughs> I don't know. Who do you think this is going to be? Who do you think it's going to be? Hold on, I have to. I I will start this off, Con. Okay. Because. No Magic are in a very peculiar position, Colin, where they've been in the lottery, they've been drafting, you know, very high picks for the last couple of years. 
Um, but they still haven't found that dude, that guy, the guy that got the dog from Colin. They still haven't found that number one option for their team that can really help them accelerate this rebuild. Finally, mm-hmm. um, if I am the, the Orlando Magic here, Colin, I'm thinking about who I want to take. I believe that Chet Holmgren is the best talent in this draft and that he should be going number one here. Um, on my big board, I have Chet Holmgren as the best player in this class. But yeah. I believe the Magic are going to take Jabari Smith Jr. Yeah, Jabari Smith, the odds on drafting, I just want to make sure I was I was doing it right, went down to like minus 2,000 earlier today. So clearly there is some, some information out there that it will be Jabari going at 1-1. Um, but I... I agree with you. I, I think that that Chet Holmgren, especially for any of these young teams that are a good three, four, five years away from really being a contender, uh, this is this is the guy to take. You know, everything that I've watched on him. You no, know, the only the only comp we really have for him is like a young Giannis, and that's not to say he's going to be Giannis. <laughs> Because he has a little bit more touch than Giannis, but nobody else <clears throat> looks or plays like this. Like, nobody. And- the Ringer has, uh, like, player comps to every person in this draft. And there are two player comps they were able to come up with for Chet Holmgren Colin were Gen Z, Pau Gasol, and Rudy <laughs> Gobert with perimeter skills. <laughs> Gen Z, Pau Gasol. I, I like Gen Z, Pau Gasol <laughs> a lot. <laughs> this is pretty good. That's pretty good, but like he, the the length he has is, it's more Giannis like the way he moves than Rudy Gobert because he's way more athletic than Rudy Gobert, and I, mm-hmm. I don't think that he's just going to be this interior defender that has absolutely no post up game, can't do anything offensively, can't even run a pick and roll correctly, you know, like he he's he's got this touch around the rim. So I, I guess that's where maybe Gen Z Paul Gasol makes the most sense because he can spot up. He's got a decent outside shot. He can spread the ball. But, you know, he does seem best at his best when he's going downhill, especially if he puts on some weight, which is a comment you're going to hear 900 times tonight <laughs> during the draft. The the thing with Chet Holmgren for me, Colin, and why peop- the you know the size thing is the the thing that everyone is the most skeptical about, Colin, and you know can this guy survive the physicality of the NBA on a night to night basis? Like, and I really have qu- kind of a qualm with that, Colin, because I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I really don't think the NBA is that physical of a league until the playoffs, Colin. Like regular season NBA, Magic versus the Spurs on a Wednesday night in February. Like Chet's gonna be able to survive the regular season, Colin. Well, I really don't think that the physicality is a problem on a regular season basis. I also, if you look up pictures, Colin, so of Chet Holmgren's dad, Holmgren, yes, also a seven footer. He he was able to fill out his frame pretty well. And did not have an NBA team for him controlling his diet, controlling his weightlifting regimen. Like, yeah, I have confidence that Chet Holmgren is going to be able to put on the weight. And I just, I just think we're gonna look back at this draft call on and be like, why did this guy 
this guy not go number one? I think I agree. I think in my mind, after doing all this research, and I was a big Paolo guy for a while, I think that if I was to really think about it, I think that Chet and Jabari are in a different tier than Ivy and Ben Carroll. I just, I really do. I think that what they offer is just a little bit more special. I think that, I mean, especially with Chet, it, it's just like a unicorn of a talent. And, you know, he could end up being Kristaps Porzingis, which, you know, like, I, I guess when we talk about his ability to put on weight, it, it might not have anything to do with his ability to play the Spurs Wednesday night in February. But it might have something to do with, <laughs> you know, he's playing the Jazz Thursday night in March, and he goes up and just doesn't come down the same way. You know, just that ability mm-hmm. to be injury-prone, or I guess not the ability to be injury-prone, but just being injury-prone is, is going to take its toll, especially early on if you're not careful about it. I don't know. At least that's everything that I've read. Insane. Mm, I actually... It's so interesting, Con, because I've been watching so much Chet Holmgren, like, tape and highlights, and even though he's super skinny, he's weak, whatever you want to say about him, Con, I think he plays... He has the... He has a mentality that you would want from a big... Um, when you know when Chet Holmgren's coming down the lane, he's trying to dunk on you. If you drive or get down the lane against him, he's trying to send your shit into the third row. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I think you're going to be able to knock him down, but I think he's going to get up every time. And just the most important part is, does his body ever get to the point where it's functional enough in the NBA for 82 games, like you said, Con? I don't know. That that's everybody's main concern. Um, but from a just purely, like, playing standpoint, um, The Athletic had a really good article, Colin, where it was basically anonymous um, submissions on um, all of this draft's, like, this draft's top prospects. And mm-hmm. a coach that played, that is in the same division as Gonzaga, didn't reveal himself, um, but played Gonzaga twice this year, he said that the game plan, he said that, Going into both games against Gonzaga, Chet Holmgren was the top player that they were focused on stopping. Um, the thing they did the first game, Colin, was they were going to give Chet, they were going to give Chet every three that he could have, um, because you know when Chet and Drew Timmy play together, they're both phenomenal players that can play on the low block. Right. You can't take away everything, so you give Chet whatever he wants. Yeah. So you give Chet the threes because you can live with him shooting threes and not getting like very high percentage looks. Then Chet Holmgren goes ahead and shoots forty-two percent from three this season in college, seven three-point attempts. So this coach then goes ahead to talk about how when the second time they played with them, they adjusted it to where they were going to chase him off the line, they were going to make him, you know, um, put the ball on the ground, try to score against him anyway other than three, and the guy ends up shooting 73% field goal percentage (laughs) on the year con, on twos. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, granted, the uh, the division of basketball that Gonzaga plays in isn't exactly the most top notch thing in the world. Um, I, I think it, it still hammers home the point that I, this dude. Is I just, just want to say this: multiple levels. He plays like Kevin Durant on offense. I'll, I'll just say it right now. 
Yikes. You just watch Chet do his, like, dribble crossover into a pull-up, and you're like, wow, I've seen that before. Yeah. I mean, I mean that should do it, right? If you're getting that comparison. He's a freak. I can't believe the Magic are about to not take this guy gone. Alright, so then let's talk about the guy who's number two on my big board. Is he number two on yours? Yes, and I love this guy too, Con. It's crazy because yeah. I think Jabari Smith Jr. is also a freak. Um, <clears throat> Jabari Smith Jr., um, the, the Ringer's um, like player comparisons for him were a two-way Richard Lewis, Harrison Barnes, shades of a Michael Porter Jr., um, he's a hard worker, Colin. His jump shot is absolutely cash money. The magic, the elite versatility on defense that they're looking for. Just magic's like general drafting schema, Colin. Like they're mm-hmm. looking guys, you know, like a Jonathan Isaac, like a Jabari Smith Jr. Yeah. Um, he is a safe pick, Colin, who I think still possesses like star upside. Um, just this season, Colin, he shot 43.6% from three on 163 attempts. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, that's insane. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you some other guys' three point percentages that you would, and they're like nowhere close for the percentage and the amount of attempts taken compared to Jamari Smith Jr. No, to shoot forty three um, in college is like, absurd. Yes, he's he's really good defensively. Con, he's um, I actually like him for his defense almost more than his offense. Um, I think he's still got to become a better ball handler. Um, if I had to guess, Con, <clears throat> Chet Holmgren, I believe, is going to end up being a better player than Jabari Smith Jr. Um, I think Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be a really good player, Con, but it's it's kind of hard for me to... When I was thinking of, like, who does this guy remind me of, he kind of reminded me of a Rudy Gay. Um, Rudy Gay is a good player comparison. He's a guy who had 20 points for his career. Um, but was never really able to evolve himself, Con, out of anything other than being a 20-point-per-game scorer, which I'm kind of, like, hesitant on Jabari Smith Jr. You know, where does he develop to take that next step? Is it his ball handling? Is it his playmaking? Is it his, like, ability to create a shot off the dribble? Um, and I couldn't really pinpoint, you know, how he immediately improves to take that next step. But... Going to Orlando for Jabari Smith Jr. Con, where they need a number one score, I think it's going to be a really good scenario for Jabari Smith Jr. Yeah, I think with Orlando, it's, it's, mm, I'm not going to say it's tough to mess this up, um, because I do believe everything I've seen on Chet that it's, it's 100 percent worth it. Um, but I think that Jabari Smith Jr. just possesses the two way talent that you're never going to be disappointed in. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just a plus on both sides of the ball. Alright, should we talk number three? Yes, Paolo Bancaro, third on my... Yeah. Third on my big board. Um, I actually think Paolo Bancaro might be the best player out of those three right now, Con. I actually think Paolo Bancaro is going to win Rookie of the Year. I think he's going to have the best year out of these top three guys. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton to like about Paolo Bancaro, Con. He's a pretty versatile scorer. 
Um, he he likes to work down low, so he can post them up. He can also feast inside off of lobs. He's a good pick-and-roll partner. Um, he grew up playing guard con. He he grew at the start of 7th grade con. He was seven, six foot one. At the end of 7th grade, he was six foot five. Holy shit. <laughs> He's almost... He is 6'10 now, almost 7 feet. Um, he can rip a board down con, and he can go coast to coast on you. Um, like I said, his interior scoring is awesome. He's a pretty, he's a better ball handler con than Jabari Smith Jr. is, which is pretty mm. impressive. Honestly, he's a confident shooter. I like his passing off the dribble, especially his passing from the low block. When especially with New York guy like that con, a post-up player, like, doubles are going to get thrown at you. And, like, you have to be able to be, like, yeah. make the calm, easy pass to the open guy. Um, I really like that about Paolo. Um, yeah, I, was... I do think he's gonna have some shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Um, but go ahead and like you know yeah, say what you want to say. I was I was listening to uh, an athletic podcast, and the uh, the dude it's a, a fantastic guy. I highly recommend following if you're on the athletic. It's uh, Sam uh, might butcher his name Vecini Vecini Vecini. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's really good. Um, and he was talking about how in all the film he's watched with Paulo. Just every single time he makes the right pass for a dude that you know. I mean, he was on a loaded Duke team, but clearly the number one option, clearly the the focal point of defenses. And at six ten, his ability to just make the right pass, find the right guy, it was just so impressive at the college level. And I remember watching games and seeing that just his court vision for a forward like that is so impressive. So, I uh, I don't hate it. I just think the other two have some talents in the NBA, some potential talents that put them a little bit higher in Jabari's scoring ability, and then Chet's just what the fuckness. <laughs> what the yeah, I um I like I said I think Paulo is probably the best player out of those three right now, but the reason he's third for me, Con, is I just don't see his upside as being as high as the other guys at the. Um, the Ringers player comps for Paolo Bancaro comps for Chris Webber and Julius Randle, and I do see a lot of Julius Randle and Paolo Bancaro. Um, but what we've seen, like Paolo Bancaro should be shooting to be much better than Julius Randle, because Julius Randle is probably the biggest... Julius Randle limits himself, Con, you know what I mean? Yeah. Julius Randle does limit himself. Which, which Paolo has to, like... And I can see a very similar thing happen to Paolo, especially because he's going to Houston Con, where he has free reign of, like, what he wants to do. Um, one of his co- biggest cons for me was his election. Um, sometimes, you know, he just thinks he's the best guy on the floor, which he, he has been for the majority of his career, and that he can yeah. kind of just do anything out there, um, which will not be the case in that. So he's just kind of got to grow as a player, but I like Paul a lot. I'm I'm pretty excited to watch him and Jalen Green play. Yeah. Not very often you can draft two per game scores like that. No, no, not at all. Yeah, um, yeah. Rockets starting to build an interesting team here. It feels like they have the least amount of direction out of kind of these uh, couple teams at the bottom here, picking in the top four or five. So then, Noah, we go to the Kings, who should be taking Jaden Ivey if they keep the pick. 
I think that out of picks most likely to change hands in the next hour or so, it, it's going to be this pick right here. I this would be, pick is like 50-50, Colin. They make it versus they trade it away, yeah. honestly. I'd be I'd be surprised if they keep it, honestly. I think they should, but they're, I, they they're seem stupid. to be sold on that they can win now, which is ridiculous. Yeah, Jaden Ivey is uh, quite quite the talent, Colin. I really wish the Pacers would have ended up with this pick because I think Jaden Ivey is going to be an awesome player. Um, he's the best athlete in the draft by a pretty good margin, Colin. He has like he has like Russell Westbrook, John Wall like explosiveness. Um, he's going to be able to get downhill at will, um, but he was he was able to bail himself out of college sometimes, Colin, just because of how athletic and how much better he was than other players on the court, which I don't think is going to be the case in the NBA. Um, but he, you can just see how Jay Nivey can come into a starting lineup and immediately make an impact. He put much pressure on the defense just with his speed. Um, he's not a great shooter, but he's improved every year. Um, I don't know if he can be a full-time point guard because he played a lot of off the ball for Purdue. Um, but the one, co- the one concern for me is his lack of ball skills. Uh, you know, he, he's got to grow either as a scorer, shooter, or as a playmaker. Um, he kind of needs to fill one of those voids. And I will guarantee you, Colin, that Jaden Ivey is a better NBA player than a college player just because of how much space and the pace of the game. Oh, my God, yeah, we've been talking about this for months. Um, Yeah, he projects to me as a a shooting guard in the NBA, not a point guard. I think that putting him at point guard would be ill-suited for what he provides. He's like a part-time point guard, you know? He kind of reminds me of, like, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Like he, you can have him bring the ball up, but I think Where, he's better served, you like, you know, playing in a system next to De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese <laughs> Halliburton. Um, you know, just saying. If Jaden fell to the pace at it six, would you, what would you do? I'd cry. Just, like, would you, like, on the floor, like, shaking, crying, or just, like, a single tears tear? Tears of joy. Absolute tears of joy, just... Crying out my eyes, crying out my wiener. Hey, baby, any way you got to do it, let's do it. Yeah, um, I think that Jaden, to me, I don't know. I, there's just something about his game that feels like it's going to translate so seamlessly. I, I, I'm not saying he has the highest floor out of these guys, but I don't know. I'll, you know what? I'll go out and say it. Bust potential the least with Jaden. All-star potential, also the least, but I feel like he is going to have the 20-point-per-game seasons pretty seamlessly. That's my take. That's my take. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't I don't disagree, Con. I think Jaden Ivey is very much the fourth-best player in this class, and I'm very excited to see him play next year. Um, hopefully not for the Kings. Um yeah. Number five here, Colin, I think is where yeah, it gets spicy. Because different options here. So, I think in real life, the number five pick, Colin, will be Keegan Murray. But yeah. the fifth best player in this class, to me, is Benedict Matthews. Oh, wow. All right, we spent too much time together. I mean, not that that was that much of a surprise, but yeah, that's Benedict too. I really, really, really 
want Benedict Matherin tonight. That is my That's ideal cool. scenario. Really? Well, I mean, yes. It, he'll probably fall. I mean, everything says that Detroit. Just depends what the Pistons want to do. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. I think that Med- Benedict Matherin, after watching him in the tournament. That's just a man who I want on my team. Plays so aggressively both ways. I don't I don't know if we can actually factor in the clutch gene into like an NBA draft. I, I think that would probably be dumb, but he has the clutch gene. Like he yeah. was he was a fucking dog in the Pac twelve tournament and the NCAA tournament. Like that man that mm-hmm. man got buckets late. And he could do it from everywhere, too. You know, I think if he develops a really good outside shot, which I, I think he's on track to do, I think he's going to be scary. 38% on 174 attempts here. Um, what I really like about Matherin, Colin, is he's a smart. His role his freshman year, Colin, was to spot up and shoot threes. Built um, 1.8% of them his freshman year from three-point land. Um, and then he comes in for sophomore season. He to do a lot more for that area team. Colin, he's asked to score more. He's asked to play make more. And he still shoots 30% um, from three, which is an amazing sign. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a large, extremely like, difficult. He's getting the ball at the end of the shot class. He's just super dynamic. Um, he'll either you know shoot it off or he can attack straight off the catch. Um, his passing is very impressive. Con, he's not afraid to make like the tough that a lot of people, everyone yeah. in the league. Um, he shouldn't be expected to be a lead playmaker. Con, that's not what he's going to be. He's probably best suited to play in an offense that features multiple ball hand, AKA Tyron. Yeah. Um, he's not a main facilitator, but his playmaking is solid. Um, I would think of, think about that con, like Murray is a good player. Whose game is enhanced by Nikola Jokic? That's a scenario I would bend to Catherine playmaker in. Um, I, I love. I, I cannot get enough of this kid. He's a two-three on where Keegan Murray is more of a three-four, mm-hmm. um, which I'm fine with. Benedict Matherin's still six-six, a pretty big wingspan. Yeah. Um, I I get shades of you know another guy who reminds me of Victor Oladipo. Benedict Matherin actually reminds me of Jamal Crawford. That's a great comp right there. And Jamal, Crawford I think Benedict is, Matherin is going to be a monster. Jamal Crawford is just a baller. Like that's who Jamal Crawford is. Yeah. And Benedict Matherin falls the same way. No, really quick. Gotta interrupt. Uh, Woj bomb. Fifteen minutes before the draft starts, the Magic have kept their final decision tight, but Ben Shero has emerged as a significant possibility to be drafted number one overall. Uh, That's nutty. That's nutty, Noah. I don't I, like that. Oh, I mean, maybe that'll go long enough. Call see him not pick. Yeah, seriously. Jesus Christ. Um, I don't like that. Yeah, don't we, magic. Let's 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 go another fifteen minutes and then we, we can turn the draft on. We can watch the the first pick or two together and and live react. See how we do. Um, all right. So then, do you have Keegan Murray as your s- sixth ranked player? Because I do not. I do not either. All right. Do you this is that? different because this is our big board and a mock draft. Keegan Murray fifth or yeah. sixth. 
But big board, as the sixth best player in this class, Colin, I have Mr. Daniels, yeah. one of the best names in the draft. Um, a guard from Australia, played for the G League Ignite um, instead of going to college. He's 6'6", 195, Colin just turned 19. Um, very, very interesting prospect. Honestly, reminds me of... I was watching Dyke highlights. He's been gaining a ton of traction as of late yeah. coming up to this draft. And he not a good shooter. He's not an amazing score. But he is a fantastic defending 6'6". He can guard one through three. So a very good playmaker. He reminds me of a Giddy, Josh Giddy is nowhere near good defensively as Dyson Daniels is. Yeah. And when I was trying to think of like a comp form, Colin, I was like, this guy might like an Evan Turner. Interesting. Interesting. Not a name Don't, that I would associate college with. Evan, the, college the, Evan yeah. Turner. He was, wasn't he national player of the year? Ohio State, Ohio State Evan Turner was a dog, Colin. Yeah, I was actually, I was just watching some footage of Evan Turner today because I was, I was watching some stuff about Mark Titus, and so, so Evan Turner came up. Yeah, he was like national player of the year in 2010 with Ohio State. He was, he was good. So I was going to say, like, professionally, Evan Turner, you know, kind of left much to be desired. But you're right, they have a similar build, similar game. Um, I'd say that Evan Turner's maybe a bit more of a natural scorer than Dyson. But that's, that's not to say, like, these guys are young, too. And when you just have that baseline athleticism and the way that people develop shots these days, like, having the, the ground floor of the offensive game and then being an elite defender, like, it, you're going you're gonna to fit in well. You know, especially if you're going like six or seven, like if if the Pacers happen to to get him, I know that that wouldn't be the most exciting thing in the world. But like, that's a glue guy that you kind of need as a part of a championship mm-hmm. run. He's the kind of player whose presence helps you win games. Yeah, I mean, think about how valuable like Rob Williams was to the Celtics this year. Even like even going less. Off that con, just ma- yeah. think about how vital Grant Williams was yeah. for the Celtics finals run. Yeah, where McCall Bridges. I think many year. teams, so many teams would be happy to draft a Grant Williams, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, especially, you know, a team like the Pacers who feel like maybe they're not too far off from, you know, really being able to find it. Like, having those building blocks is huge. So, yeah, that's where I, I agree wholeheartedly that Dyson Daniels is the number six player in this draft. Dyson Daniels to a Blazers at seven con or a Pelicans at eight would be a match made in heaven. That would be so good for him. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Okay. Let's let's try to speed up a little bit so that we have time to to kind of recap what's what's actually going on live. Um, No, I'm not a Keegan Murray guy. I, I think he's I think he's good, but I don't even have him here, and I I maybe have drank neither do sauce. I. Um, but at number seven, I I have to go with Griffin. Oh really? I, he's he's fallen a bit recently, but for my eye test, he's just I you know it, he's he's got that perimeter offensive game 
that at that kind of age is just so impressive to have that I, I'm willing to take the risk on it. it. It feels like an immediate impact. It feels like he can score at a couple levels. I know his defense isn't great right now. You know, I think that, I don't know. I, I'm of the opinion that you, you don't need to be, either you're like a, a plus-plus defender or you just kind of are able to fit in the scheme. You know, if you try hard enough and you have the right intangibles and you're not Trey Young or Isaiah Thomas, who's, you know, 5'10". So if that's his big knock to me, I'm willing to take him high because I think that offensive versatility, what he can do from the perimeter is so worth it, you know? And especially if these teams around seven or eight are less sure and less likely to be competing right away. You know, I know the Pelicans might think that they're ready to go. If the Blazers trade, this is my big board, so it doesn't quite add up, but I'm an A.J. Griffin guy. I've said it for a while, and, you know, this is uh, this is me sticking with my guns. I, I like A.J. Griffin. I would have him, we're on number seven right now. Yeah. He is number nine on my big board. Okay. Um, you know, A.J. Griffin is one of the most talented scorers in this draft con. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, he's a very good three-point shooter con, 48% from three this year in college on 120 attempts. Um, the thing, I, I agree with most of the positives you said, con. This guy feels like he's just like a freak who maybe wasn't fully unleashed at Duke. Yeah. Um, I can I can very much get behind that. You know, his player comp probably is Jalen Brown, is what most people would say. Um, the thing is, the biggest cons with him, Con, um, people are really hesitant about um, his knee and ankle injuries. He had a knee and ankle injury that kept him out for the better part of two years in high school, Con. He also missed a couple games at Duke with a similar injury. Um I'm not too worried about that because, you know, these teams get medical reports, Con, that are so detailed beyond what even what you and I know. Like, it would have came out by now if A.J. Griffin had bad medicals. So I'm not really worried about that. It's just, where does this guy go beyond three-point shooting, Con? Because usually paired with three-point shooting for a guy to go this high would be fantastic defense. And yeah. while A.J. Griffin, you know, shows good effort on defense. He hasn't all he wasn't Duke's most reliable defender. Um oh my god, my dogs are going crazy, sorry. Well yeah, I mean I drafted. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I think that he he might be one dimensional. Um but to me once we get here, everybody has some some pretty glaring shortcomings in their game. And so I'm willing to take the the risk on the guy with what I feel is the biggest upside. So that's why I have him at seven for me personally. I'm fine with that. I like AJ Griffin. I think him to the Pelicans at eight would be a dream pairing. Um, my seventh player off the big board con is Shadon Sharp, the wing out of Kentucky that we got to see no games of. Um, he's 6'5", 200, 19 years old. Um, his Russillo comped him as a James Harden, but like the James Harden after he matured and left the Thunder. Um, and, you know, the only thing we have 
Shade on Sharp did not play a single college game, Colin. So the only thing we have, I had to watch his like AAU highlights to get like the, you know, the like what is this guy? Yeah. What I from that Colin was, he's this guy who bounced an above the rim athlete. Athlete, he skies for dunks in space. He can block you on the break. Um, he's shifty and he kind of looks like he's like elastic at times. Um, which is it's really interesting pairing with how a ball handler he is and how layup package seems to be. Um, he's also a very good shooter. Con he he is like one, a very complete package on offense. Um, if I had to, you know, compare him to, I would say he reminds me of Jalen Green. Lash reminds me of the Beal. Uh, reminds me a little bit of PG with how shifty and like PG is like looks elastic at sometimes. Um, the biggest cons, Colin, was Shade on Sharp basketball at Kentucky. He out the year to repair for next season. Um, he already lacked significant like big game exposure in high school, Colin, because he didn't go to the biggest high school. Um, so the jump to the NBA could be a mere, like, both physical and mental leap for Shadon Sharp. Um, I think there's a scenario where we're looking back at this draft, and, you know, it's like, why didn't Shadon Sharp go this high? Um, he's not going to go that – he's not going in the top five, top six, Colin. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. It's, and it's because of this just mysterious aspect of him. Um I think if you're a GM con who is not going to be immediately fired based off of your pick in this draft, I would take him, like, as high as I would feel comfortable with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't hate it. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch much on Shade on Sharp just because of exactly what you said. The uh, the highlights were pretty hot to date. Um so I yeah I'm gonna refer defer to your opinion on Shadon Sharp. Um, all right, who? So we're at eight now. My eighth uh, best player is Keegan Murray, and yeah. I honestly don't even want to talk about this guy. He's kind of boring. Yeah, that's probably the best way to, to describe him. He's kind of boring. Keegan um, Murray's gonna be a fantastic player for the next twelve years in the NBA, and I would be, be very okay happy if player. the Pacers ended up with him. I think he's going to be pretty good. He's going to be fine. I I think stealing Keegan Murray makes an all-star game for a team that, like the third all-star, like his eighth year on the on a team. Like he's the third and all-star. The, yeah. For like a really okay, I take team. that. I take that. <laughs> um, who was your eighth best player, Colin? Was it Keegan Murray? Uh, no, I actually went with uh, Jeremy Sohan. Sohan? Okay, I... So, we have to say this, Colin, that Bradley Beal did opt out of his contract um, with the Wizards. He's going to be an unrestricted free. But before that happened, Colin, there was a very real interest from the Wizards for drafting, for wanting to get a experienced veteran point guard into the locker room with Bradley Beal. Yeah. And one of the easiest trades I saw, Colin, was Malcolm Brogdon for mm-hmm. the 10th pick and a player back. And if the Pacers ended up with that 10th pick, Colin, I wanted it to be Jeremy Sochan so badly because just look at the Celtics-Warriors finals. They both had a player that has the same archetype that Jeremy Sochan projects to be. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking like the uh, the Andrew Wiggins kind of type 
player, no. like that forward. Draymond Green. <laughs> Jeremy Sochan doesn't really shoot, Colin. Well, I guess we can... Yeah, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. 29% from three on 67 attempts, average eight points on the year. Um, what he is, though, Colin, he's 6'9", 230, 19 years old. Um, he's capable of excelling as an athletic two-way player who can defend all five positions, honestly, and if he develops a jump shot... This guy is pretty limitless potential, Colin. The ringer has his player comps as Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, Aaron Gordon, um, which I think make a lot of sense. I, I also would throw Grant Williams in there. Um, yeah. This guy's this guy's just a little freaky, Colin. I really like this guy. Like in my in this draft, I list of like my guys that I'm higher on, I think, than the average person. And Jeremy Sochan is one of those. Yeah, that makes sense. Um yeah, I okay. I feel stupid for for saying Andrew Wiggins. It, it took me. I thought Grant Williams in my head. I was like, Grant Williams makes sense. I was like, yeah, okay, Draymond. Yeah, I forget about Draymond. Um, defensive anchors are are massive. You know, I I said it. I'm big on defense. I think that the data shows that defense is rising as a importance in the NBA. I think we saw, mm-hmm. you know, when when we don't have these absolute dynamite offensive teams that it just doesn't matter how good offensively or defensively you are because they're just going to light you up anyways. I think having these role players that just do everything else but score is so important. I think it just opens mm-hmm. up the floor for everybody. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if, if Sochan can show any shades of Draymond, that's, that's probably pretty good. Yeah. Taking that. Um, another Woj bomb con. As the Orlando Magic move closer to getting on the clock, Duke's Paolo Bancaro is now looming as a front runner to be the number one overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Holy crap. Wow. I actually placed a bet on him to be number one overall the other day. Uh, our Zachary put a bet down con on Smith Jr. being the first pick. <laughs> Smart. Smart at minus two thousand. Good, good. All right. Um, we've we've only got a couple more minutes before the, the just draft just read me off the rest of your big board con, and we can just talk about these guys. You know, yeah, as we makes sense. So, so Sean, at, I had him at nine, right? Or where are we at eight? So Sean at eight, Keegan so Murray at nine, nine for you. Keegan, yeah, yeah, so he's yeah. your tenth best player. Um, you know, there's. There's some there's some hype. I'm basically between three guys, I, and I consider them all pretty similar. I've got Johnny Davis, Osman Jing, and then Jalen Duran. Um, and they're all they all kind of do different things, and they all raise different concerns for me. Um, but I have Jang Dang as the highest uh, because I think he is, that, uh... I think that his potential is just like it's on a different level. What is it? What a what a peculiar player this guy is, Con. Um, it seemed off of just viewing his highlights, Con. It kind of seemed like his best skill was his ball handling. Well, I think his best skill was his defense. Um, the six nine for being he's six ten, two hundred pounds, nineteen years old, and his ball handling is insane, Con. Um, yeah. Easily one of the most 
easily one of the guys with the highest upside in this draft. Um, you know, thanks to his blend of defense, like you said, him being 6'10", his smooth shot creation. Um, but he is not an efficient scorer, Colin. He played this last season. He played this last season in New Zealand for the New Zealand Breakers. Mm-hmm. Um, shot twenty one percent from three, Colin, on sixty one attempts. Only averaged three rebounds as a guy who's six ten, and he scored seventy points with forty percent true shooting percentage. So I I saw something interesting about him. So I guess he was injured or something. And so if you take his second half of the season numbers, which granted is only like. They only play 24 games in New Zealand, so it's, it's really only a 12-game sample size. But he was, he was like, garbage the first half of the season, like, straight garbage. And the second half of the season, he shot, like, 33% from three, averaged, like, 12 points a game, eight boards, four assists, whatever it was. It was, like, pretty much all of mm-hmm. his production happened in the second half of the season, and that's when everybody was like, holy shit, this guy. This his guy shot really looks good, too, yeah. Colin. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. I feel like guys rework their shots so often. If they're not a stroke it up, um, AJ Griffin type. Yes, yeah. Stroke it up, yeah, stroke, stroke it, it up, down, stroke, stroke it up, stroke it down. Just keep stroking. So yeah, I just I, <laughs> I think he's got the highest. He's got the highest upside. On the internet, call saying that he played for the New Zealand Brickers. Instead yeah, of the New Zealand Breakers, because it was Brick City over there. <laughs> it certainly was, yeah. There were, on his highlight tape, you might see every single three-point shot that he made. But that's okay. <laughs> um, let's cover the other guys you mentioned real quick. Johnny Davis, a shooting guard out of Wisconsin. Um, averaged 20 points this year. Rogers shot 33% from three on 93, 99 three-point attempts. And the biggest thing here, Colin, is people are pretty hes- people. Johnny Davis is, like, on a surface level, Colin. It's like, you know what you're getting from this guy when you draft him. Like, he's going to be, he's a tough shot maker, which you like. He's a good playmaker. He has good shooting off the catch. Um, I'm actually not that worried about his efficiency numbers, Colin, because, you know, you and I watch Big Ten basketball. He was he was the heart and soul of that Wisconsin team, Colin. He was taking a lot of shots where he simply just won't take as many shots or the degree of difficulty of shots he took in college when he gets to the NBA. So I think he's going to be a pretty efficient guy in the NBA. Um, you know, he kind of reminds me of a Devin Harris, um, which, you know, maybe for our younger listeners out there, they don't know the real Devin Harris, but Devin Harris was a dirty, dirty player, Colin. Um, I think Johnny Davis is going to end up going to, you know, a potentially a Spurs or a Wizards or something like that. And mm-hmm. he'll be a fine player, but you're definitely not drafting him if you're going for the highest no, upside. Man. No, I, I, I agree. I just, after watching him so much this year, I, I think he's a really solid college player. I think he made a lot of leaps. Um, yeah, his his shot-making ability just isn't quite as as good as I, I would like for the size that he's at. Um, mm-hmm. I could see him really struggling with efficiency, even in the NBA given that he won't have the ball as much. Um, I, mm-hmm. I still see that possibility. You know, and, and he can switch defensively, but, you know, he, he's got that smaller frame. I don't know. I always questioned his yeah. ability to really be a a, a solid defender. Um, <clears throat> and again, like I said, that's a, that it really matters a whole ton, I don't think. 
That's where that's where he kind of drops, Colin, in comparison to other shooting guards in the last. Yeah. Like a Benedict or a Dyson Daniels. You can yeah. see both of them being a 2-3, where I only see Johnny Davis being a 1-2, two. really. And I really see him as the 2. Um, other guys, let's just round up this top 15, Colin. This first pick's getting close to yeah, I know. announced. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Durant. I did. I center did. out of Memphis. I really like this guy, Colin. He reminds me of DeAndre Jordan. He reminds me of Williams. He's yeah. 6'10", 230. Hasn't even turned 19 yet, Colin. And I'm going to reference Colin again where it was anonymous scouts, anonymous coaches talking about players. And for this guy who was a scout, who was, um, he, at times, Jaren would be the most dominant on the floor on both ends, and he would make his presence felt in the game. And then he said that he could play cheater, and you wouldn't even notice the guys on the court. Um, that's mainly his biggest con, con, is his motor, his drive. Can he be the beast that we know he be every night? Uh, I think Jalen Duren's going to be the first center taken off the board here, con, and I think it would be a dream pairing to 13 to get Jalen Duren. Yeah. No, if he lasts that long. Yeah, I I like him a lot. All right, and that was like my 11 or 12. Um, who who do you have left on your big board? So to round out the top 15, Con, I have Ochai Agbaji, yeah, Mark Williams, and then um, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. Uh, Mark Williams, very similar to Jalen Duran Con. Um, just another rim running lob threat center. Going to be a good pairing for whatever team you have. I, if I had to guess two teams that are going to take centers here, Con, yeah. it would be the Knicks and the Hornets. Um, the Hornets are not getting away in 15, Con, without getting a center. Um, I could also see the Hornets, you know, potentially trading a 13 or a 15, um, along with Hayward to try and get them another player so they're also able to re sign Miles Bridges this offseason. Mm-hmm. Ochai Baji is interesting, Con. He plays boys as Kansas Jayhawks. Um, yeah. And I actually had to... Kansas Jayhawks, I just have to say really quickly, uh, Joel Embiid will never win a ring. I paid five bucks okay, to say that's that. That's so, Yeah, yeah, so... Um, yeah, I, had to, I had to phone this one in to Renjamin Con, and I said, do you think Ochai as good as he's going to be? Um, so Ochai's last season, I asked our friend Renjamin if he thought that was as good as Ochai was going to get, because I honestly think it kind of is, yeah. which isn't a major problem, Colin. And he said, I think he's going to be good, but I'd be surprised if he's ever like an all-star. I can honestly see him being kind of at a Chris Duarte level, probably a little better. Like, I think um, I think he said yeah, he thinks that... Um, he said he thinks lottery to late teens is about right, just depend what team likes him the most. And... Right around here, Colin, in my mock draft, I have Ochai Agbaji. Not, he's either going to I think he's going to go 13 to the Hornets or 14 to the Cavs. Um, both teams which need win-now players, Colin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be a good pairing because I think Ochai is as good as he's going to be. Yeah. Um, another player you didn't mention is we're, we're on the clock now. I, I think we, we watched the first pick, we react, and then we call it a pod. Ty uh, Ty Washington out of Kentucky. Mm, I like he's him. He's a really interesting player. Um, didn't play a whole ton at Kentucky this year. Got injured pretty early on. Um, but, I mean, in terms of skilled guards, 
this dude's got it. His ball handling ability is top notch. His shot needs a little bit of work, but it could come along. But I could, I could see him being a really impactful, like backup point guard right away, and then moving into a, a pretty efficient starting pass first kind of guy, with mm-hmm. some, you know, maybe a little bit of ability to get to the rim <laughs> as a, a shorter guy. Yeah, how um, how ready are you calling to draft EJ Liddell? Uh, I'm not. Let's do it. Every mock draft I've seen, Con, which is like upon twenty, yeah, I think I've seen EJ Liddell to the Bulls in every single mock draft. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd rather just trade the pick at that point. Um, can I just go through Con and say yeah. some <clears throat> guys that I think are going to go later that I think are going to be good, just yeah, so I can yeah. look back on this and be right? Yeah, of course. Um, so. Tari Eason, um, going to be right around where the Bulls are picking, Colin. 6'7 forward out of LSU. Has shades of Jay Sean Tate, Jeremy Grant, James Johnson. I think he's going to be a beast. Um, Dalen Terry, a guard combo out of Arizona. 6'6, 195. Um, reminds me of a Farton Will on. Um, I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, Nikola Jovic, forward out of Mega Basket, Colin. 6'10, 227. I saw yeah. him in one Nuggets, mock. He's going to be, he's gonna be right him. around where the Nuggets are at. Well, I saw him going like lottery in one mock, and I was like, what? That just didn't feel right. Um, but again, I also read like 30 mocks. That's like the one guy from Nikola Jovic's home country doing his mock. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Christian Coloco, third Arizona player of the draft, 6'10", 221. Reminds me of a Clint Capella. Reminds me of a Ned Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce McGowan's calling a six-six wing out of Nebraska. Reminds me of Zach Levine with less um, athletic ability. I think he's going to be awesome. Kenneth Chandler, guard out of Tennessee, five eleven eighty. Reminds me of Jameer Nelson. Oh, I think he's going to be pretty good. All right, oh, let's God. do this. Um, and Andrew Nimbard, guard out of Arizona, probably going to be the first pick of the second round. He will be. He pick an all rookie team con. Wow! I'll guarantee you that Andrew Nimbard out of Gonzaga. All right, and it happens. Wow, Paulo number one overall. Oh my God, what are they doing, Colin? I don't. I don't know. What are they doing? I don't know. You know who the biggest winner right now is the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets. Dude, I, I need the Pacers to trade up right now, please. What is Stein saying this? Stein also said, I'll also guarantee Jabari goes first, willing to put my NBA insider reputation on the line for it. Oh, let's roast the dish out of him. Boom. Yikes. Wow. All right, so this is probably the weirdest um, podcast you'll ever listen to, seeing as the uh, the draft just happened um but let us know what you thought and uh you know maybe maybe we get in some a draft recap episode i know uh college insider ryan coleman would like to uh come back on the pod to discuss so maybe we get that yeah out we gotta we gotta we gotta get back on our on our yeah. our grind set con grind the rock is very disappointed with us who is the rock yeah Dwayne. oh i thought you meant like rockefeller records I was like, Paolo Bancaro with the number one pick yeah. to the Magic. All right, you know what, Noah? I was right in February. 
See, so this is the thing. Like, you just change your take every like month and a half, <laughs> two months, and then one. Of <laughs> I like that. Right. So I was actually correct. Um, Paolo Mancaro, Colin, crying right now because he's going to Orlando. So I will say, tears I of a, sadness. I have a buddy that works in the the gambling industry, and he told me yesterday that. He, Do you think the Thunder take Jabari? No, they gotta take Chad. Um, but he told me that uh, they were they had insider info from a Magic scout that said that they were between Paulo and Chad, and that Jabari wasn't on their board. Wow. So, I, the Orlando Magic historically have not really fucked up number one overall picks. I'll just say that. Oh, man, that's that's a tough one, Con, because the biggest problem, Bancaro is a much harder fit into that Magic team than either Jabari or Chet. Yeah. Um, and the Magic are still in a position, Con, where they can draft talent over positional need, but I guess they're making me eat my words because I said Paolo was the best player out of the three, I think, at the moment. Yeah, well, you know, maybe that's what they saw. They certainly ain't drafting for long-term talent. Yeah. Colin, I can we just make a pact right now for when, what's, it's 2022 right now, in 2032, Colin. 2032, the 10-year horizon. 2032, Colin, we're going to look back at this, and we're going to FaceTime Dan. And we're just going to make fun of the Magic for not drafting Chet. I think so, too. Oh, they got Coach K on the screen now. Good, good. I was I was wondering how quickly he would make a, a appearance. And it was right away. It was as soon as they could possibly get him on. So that's good. All right, you know what? Do you want to stick around for the second pick, or do you want to sign us off? Uh, well, Shams already ruined it, Con, and said Oklahoma City selects Chet Holmgren at number two. Oh, see, I have Shams turned off because Shams likes to, to fuck it up. This All is right. the player that they wanted, Con. This is what the Thunder have. This is what the Thunder have been stacking picks for, for the chance to get their next generational superstar. Um, I think it's a fantastic pairing, Con, because Chet's already going to a team that has talent in Shea, yeah. Josh Giddy. Um, I think so too. I think that's going to be he, Chet. Like you said earlier, Con, Chet needed to go to the team that was like. We have three years to develop this guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because remember with Giannis, he had the worst 2K rating in, like, 2K13 or whatever it was, 2K14. Like, he was the yeah. worst-rated player. So. The the Rockets just trip and fall, Colin, and Jabari Smith Jr. I mean, honestly, you know what? That's It's best for the Rockets because they can't fuck it up now. They don't have to make a decision to mess up. They're going to take Jaden Ivey. Yikes. Wow, Colin. All right, we got to get off this recording. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Bench underscore Chatter. Leave us a like. Leave us a rating. And we'll hit you guys with a draft recap. Peace. Sometime soon. Peace. (laughs) 